it up, get going. Happy, what is it, Wednesday? Happy Hump Day. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Nick, Nick Hausman, back to host uh, the Wednesday episode of The Winkly. And I am joined here uh, by my very good friend, uh, the Taka to my Razor. It is Justin Labar. Justin, welcome to The Winkly. Welcome back. I can't believe it's middle of January. Right? Crazy. Did you get my reference, by the way, Taka Razor? That's not an author's of pain reference. No, I didn't know, so that's why I glossed right over. Oh, no, that was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 reference, Taka and Razor. Those are the ones that were supposed to be Bebop and Rocksteady. Anyway, never mind. Yeah, way, way over my head. I'm in a 90s mood this week. Uh, well, uh, yeah, w- welcome back, Justin. We're going to have a lot of fun here today. Um, we have two big interviews to get to here in a little bit. Of course, we have some breaking news. Uh, literally just broke for Justin. He was in a meeting before this. He just got this hot news uh, moments before we went on the air, so I cannot wait to hear your uh, reaction to it. Uh, but one more time, I'll tease it. We were supposed to have the hard announcement on Monday, uh, but because uh, I'm bad with technology these days, it's been a while since I've had to set up a fresh RSS feed. Uh, we're going to give you the full announcement with the new name of the show, some new people that are going to be involved, uh, and more info. But yes, uh, the Winkly, uh, in some form here, is going to five days a week. It's going to have its own RSS feed. Uh, we're going to be announcing that uh, hopefully here next Monday. I'm just being very upfront about it because I promised you an announcement on Monday and we didn't deliver on that. And what happened was it just takes a lot longer than I expected to create a new RSS feed and connect it to all the other podcast platforms. It's been a while. Dude, it's been like two years since I had to do this. What a headache it is to get a podcast up and running these days, Justin. Yeah, it's not the quickest thing. You know, it's not it's not the most uh, it's not the quickest process, uh, which is stunning considering you know, how many of them there are. In the right. World. Right. And well, what's a, what, what's great? Well, at least it's good that I have a time frame here. As of Monday, they said it'll be no more than six days. So I feel comfortable saying Monday you're going to get all the details, and all the new info and everything. But we are going to be going here to five days a week. And the reason the announcement has been kicked down the road is strictly for technical reasons. So I apologize for that. But I'm trying to be honest with the people out there. I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to drag you on. Uh, all right. Let's get to this show here today. we got a Winkly to do. we got news to talk about. After we talk the news of the day here at the top of the show, two big interviews for you, one of which I have been waiting to drop for, the, for a while now. We were looking for the right moment. Today seemed like that time. Uh, we are going to be chatting with, or you're going to hear my chat with, WWE Hall of Famer Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, I love this interview. It was recorded about six hours before uh, midnight uh, on December 31st, 2019. This is where we get to reflect with Jake on what the last decade was like in his life and in his career. And I absolutely, uh, I know you're going to like it. So please stick around and enjoy that Jake Roberts here at the end. Uh, And after Jake Roberts, uh, you're going to get to hear the full audio from former Impact Wrestling uh, World Heavyweight Champion Sammy Callahan. This is his pre-Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill media scrum. Uh, He talks a bit about Hard to Kill, but we talk... There's a lot of questions that are more about just where he's at in his career and his other plans. So uh, we're going to give you the full audio here today. And I just like these two guys next to each other. Jake the Snake Roberts, Sammy Callahan, somewhat similar energies, uh, somewhat similar promo styles, I think, in a certain way. So I'm very excited to bring that for you here uh, today. All right. Enough shilling out of the way here. Let's get to it. Uh, News you can use. News that will leave a bruise. And uh, the big breaking news just before we went on the air here today, Justin, AEW and Warner Media have announced that the contract for Dynamite on TNT has been extended through 2023. So that's another three years we've got of AEW Dynamite. It was also announced that AEW and Warner Media have agreed to launch another weekly series. No word yet on the details of that show, 
uh, though the announcement from AEW and Warner Media also noted that AEW has racked up over 100,000 pay-per-view buys since launching, and the upcoming Revolution pay-per-view will also air on BNR Live. Big news, great news for AEW, the future of the pro wrestling business in general, the vibrancy of it. Justin, what's your takeaway here from this news that just came across your desk? Well, that is big news. That's positive for the business, as you said. It's positive uh, for AEW specifically. Um, you know that, that that's really good because I, you know, as my as best I understood it, um, as they were obviously getting everything together in 2019, you know, and getting people signed and getting ready for the launch of weekly television. You know, a lot of people's deals were, you know, um, you know, three year deals with some kind of contingency of like, you know. Um, you know, if for some reason the company wasn't going to still be around in three years, if it was going to fold inside of that, you know, here's what you're due, you know, for year three, you know, so, but, you know, just a contingency of, of starting a company. So now that they have TV guaranteed this point, and, and obviously the numbers have been as strong as they have been out of the gate. Um, I mean, that's just a good sign. That's a good sign for the company. It's not going to be just a one year, two year run. It's, 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 it's here to stay for the foreseeable future and it's doing well. Uh, at least, at least as well as something could be off the ground. Sure. Um, so yeah. So 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 so. Congrats to 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 to, to Tony and, and and everybody who that's involved with it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did they did Saturday nights on TBS six oh five? Did that run concurrently with Nitro, or once Nitro started, did they kill the Saturday night show? There was overlap for a little bit because uh, I can remember, you know, because I can remember after like you know the NWO and stuff launched in '96. You know, it was you never saw the big you, you hardly ever never saw the big right. players on Saturday. Night. You would see that you would see the secondary NWO guys, the, you know, um, but, right. but and even that, I think, died out. I want to say by I want to say by 98, it was gone. I don't that's, really recall it. That's in true. 98 being around. It wasn't that much. You're right. Now I'm having like flashes of Horace Hogan having matches on Saturday nights and it's all flooding. It's yeah, all, it's all flooding. Back I, and I feel now. and I feel as they moved as they moved into the territory of having Thursday night thunder, I think by that point, Saturday uh, Saturday on TBS was gone Saturday night. Okay, cool. Well, you know, that's the thing is I just think about AEW Dark. Obviously, they've, they've got that ready to go. You can move that from the uh, the internet to TV, just like what WWE did with NXT. I don't know if that's the plan, but man, that one-hour show on like a Saturday uh, afternoon night for that nostalgia feel to kind of, you know, uh, complement what the energy you've already got going with Turner and the, and the pro wrestling um, um, pro wrestling fans, I, I kind of like that idea if we are going to do another show, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I think they'll always be conscious of making sure they don't fall into the trap that that you know many of us think is harm to be, which is sometimes too many hours to fill, and that can then yeah. you know affect the quality of programming. But I think they're still you know far away from that point. Well, and you know, and it's not just AEW Dark, right? Being the elite, like, is that a crazy thing to say? Maybe that becomes a TV show, right? Or all of the Road Two series they have, they've done such a good job with all of these packages, and they do very well online as well. Maybe we don't see another wrestling show. Maybe we see some kind of show that's more of a, a quasi-reality TV look at what is it like to be a part of AEW week to week putting together Dynamite, if that makes sense. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, so food for thought, food for thought. Uh, very exciting news, though, here. Uh, congratulations to AEW. This, is, this isn't going anywhere, man. This is, this is going to keep on rolling. Yeah, I mean, and this, you know, again, it's, it's good for the health of the business, and, and, it, and it, it, it's... It, it's good for AEW in so many ways. I mean, in ways that we're not even necessarily talking about, but I'll bring up, you know, again, if you're, you know, in this past year, if you're a, uh, let's say you're WWE talent and obviously WWE went out of the way to, you know, as we heard to make sure they locked a lot of guys and girls down in contracts and maybe in some cases gave them more money than they ever otherwise would have just to keep them from playing elsewhere. 
Um, you know, but there might have been some talents that, uh, or you know, whether their contracts came up in 2019 or whether they're coming up in 2020, that kind of you know had the mindset of, well, you know, I'm going to stick with what's the sure thing. Sure, I'm you know sure I might have you know creative you know critiques of how I'm being used, but at least it's at least it's a guaranteed paycheck, and WWE's not going anywhere. They're, 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 they're the monster in the industry, you know. And, and oh, by the way, I don't want to go take a gamble going to AEW and, and not knowing if it's going to be around. Well, now that, you know, there's, you know, now that there's extensions being added to TV contracts and such, you know, now it can change the perception of, okay, well now maybe if I know that there would be an opportunity to wait in AEW, uh, maybe it's not such a gamble, you know? So it, 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 it's, 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 it's good for the business overall and it's very good for uh, AEW uh, in that, in that regard. Well, uh, this good news here for AEW comes at an interesting time uh, for WWE as Showbuzz daily reports that uh, Monday's WWE raw episode featuring the first ever fist fight main event, man, what a hard sell Uh big show. Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe taking on Seth Rollins and the authors of pain. Uh, this, uh, sh- uh, this show drew an average or this episode drew an average of 2.03 million viewers. Uh, that's down 15%. From last week's 2.385, uh, which was the first episode of 2020, this is the lowest viewership since December 23rd, the taped Christmas week show, which drew 1.835. Uh, it's a new holiday low for Raw. The first hour did 2.218, second 2.059, third uh, 1.814. Uh, just for contrast, uh, last week's third hour did 2.195, and they started off at a 2.5. Uh, this is the third lowest hour viewership of all time, including holiday episodes. It should be noted that college football dominated the night on cable TV. Raw was number 15 for the night in viewership on cable behind five airings of college football on ESPN Sports Center at midnight. Uh, Sports Center at midnight, ESPN's championship drive, and then, of course, the uh, the talk shows, the five, Tucker Carlson, the, the story, Hannity, Rachel Maddow, etc. So um, not the best news here uh, for viewership. Um, especially I feel like as we're heading, we're two weeks out from the Royal Rumble. Um, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you make of this? Do you make anything of this? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's valid. A low number is a low number. Yes. Right. The college football national championship was going on. And if, um, you know, and it's a, it was a very intriguing matchup of two undefeateds of two top notch quarterbacks. So, I mean, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're a sports fan, you keep your eye on that, even if just casually, even if you don't you know, watch every college football game, it, it's intriguing. Also ESPN, uh, you know, they, they have ESPN, you know, has the the normal game feed you'd see, and then ESPN two has a feed where they, uh, you know, they have you know they have a you know triple box on the screen where there's the game, and then there's you know different sideline reporters running around and and, and taking a look at what each play is going to be, and then there's then the, you know, another ESPN channel like ESPN News is, has, um, you know, has coaches sitting around a, a desk watching it and bantering. I mean, so you know, you really ESPN really dominates and, and takes this commodity that is this this high profile game and 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 presents it in every different way. So that's a tough thing to go against. Um, you know, also, I, I, and you know, WWE, I think that they, I think they think this helps, you know, they, they promoted a lot of things the, the week prior to this past week's raw, we knew a lot of things. They, they announced a lot of things. Okay. You're gonna have this fist fight challenge. You're going to see Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy. You're going to see Russo versus Lyle. Like, you know, they gave us a lot of, uh, things already, in, you know, in, announced, which they don't always do. And I think they try to do that figuring, okay, if we give people, you know, things that we find intriguing, they know it's going to happen. It'll help. It'll help, you know, um, help help keep that viewership so they're not going over to the competition, in this case, ESPN. But honestly, if I think sometimes that harms, I think sometimes WWE is better off having the mystery of you need to tune in to find out what matchups you're going to get or yeah. what's it going to be. You know, I don't know. You know, again, if people are if people are, are 
if if they're not into the Rusev Lashley thing, well, then it's like okay, well, they're having a match, all right? Well, that's one segment I can I can tune off. Uh, La- uh, you know, Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black, okay, good, but I've seen it a couple times, and and Black keeps winning. I guess I don't have to watch that one. You know, it 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 doesn't always help to 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 tell the audience so much of what they're already going to see. Um, but yeah, it's two weeks out of the, two weeks out of the Rumble. You know, not not what you want to be hearing. Well, and I and I will say this about the show: I thought that was a very very strong finish. I loved what they did with Buddy Murphy, how he stayed on the outside the whole time. Eventually, got in there, uh, made his presence felt, and and teamed up with Rollins. There wasn't like this weeks long kind of is he is he not? It was like no, I'm a broken man. I need something right now. All the pieces fell together. I thought it was a really strong finish to last week's show. I don't. I do think next week we'll see a, a pretty good bump. I, I I just thought there was good energy coming out of the show on Monday night. Yeah, no, there was certainly positive takeaways. Um, I I agree with you. I thought the Black Murphy match when you get they got a this is awesome chant and then having Murphy kind of like sell it on the outside and just remain there to the end of the show until he you know he's the big finish or he's joining the 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 faction. Um, yeah, I thought that was well done and there was other things that were you know, were, were well done. It's yeah. just it, it was just going into it. Again, when you look at side by side, you know all, all the hype for the college football game, and then going in, and then they just—it was just hard to combat. I just put it that way. I think it was just a hard uphill battle for WB to combat on that particular Monday night. You know, and they—they they did their best, and hopefully, it does result in um, some people, you know, who t- who tuned in after the fact, who who have who have heard, oh my God, Buddy Murphy did what, or oh my yeah. God, this match, you know, and they checked it out on YouTube or went back on their whatever. So hopefully, it does translate into some energy going into this Monday because they sure. need it. They're they're. They're they're going down the home stretch to Rumble, and and you know that's the thing is like Monday's also going to be the go home show to the Royal Rumble, and I'm going to guess that some people will be on the hook. But look, Brock Lesnar is around right now. You know he's he's out there. The, I thought the stuff with Truth was very entertaining. It wasn't really Brock Lesnar being UFC Brock Lesnar, but there's you know there's name value there right now. This is a hot time of the year. Um, I I would hope the levy breaks here and uh, we start to see some fans come back under the hook. Um, and WWE backstage, that was last night. Ryan Satin, our good buddy, did the Satin sheet. Uh, he announced that Elias has signed a new multi-year contract with WWE. Uh, he's going to be in this year's Royal Rumble match on January 26th in Houston. Uh, Satin also noted that Marce- Marce- blech, Mercedes Martinez, who was just announced as part of the latest WWE Performance Center class, will be in tomorrow's Women Battle Royal on NXT to determine, or tonight's, I guess, uh, to determine who will face NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley at TakeOver Portland on February 16th. Um, also of note, on last night's show, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, returned to WWE, and he went to promo school against Xavier Woods, and he uh, worked in his own shot at CM Punk, saying there's one guy, CM Punk, and he works less for the company than Brock Lesnar. So uh, kind of a mixed bag of uh, things coming out of uh, backstage last night. I don't really make much of... Freddie and CM Punk. I don't think that 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 was pretty weak. If it was a shot, in my opinion. So well, Freddie. Well, obviously, obviously, yeah. Freddie was on creative at, during a time while Punk was there. I wonder sure. if there's some. Hmm. I wonder if there's. I wonder if that just kind of if we read between the lines, maybe there was a. <laughs> just I love that. I, lo- I want to know how Punk feels about the fact that now he's just he's everyone's punching bag. Even Freddie Prince Jr. is getting on it. Like, oh, you gonna be the latest guy to try to ruffle Punk's feathers? You gonna say something about him on backstage? It's like a, it's like a game now. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is. I mean, I, I don't know. The, the, the CM Punk thing continues to intrigue me, but we've, we've, we'll, we'll wait until the next shot is fired. Um, obviously, Mercedes, Marce, uh, Mercedes Martinez. I have no idea why that's so hard for me to say. Um, very deserving here. It'll be cool to see her in the battle royal. Uh, a lot of other big name women uh, in this match: Bianca Belair, Candice, uh, Dakota Kai, Chelsea Green. 
uh, Mia Yim, uh, Io Shirai. Um, but but Elias here re-signing um, a multi-year contract with WWE. He was out injured a lot in 2019, I feel like. And now that he's kind of back around, has settled back into kind of his original role of just roaming with the guitar. Um, a, a good hand? I don't know. Is there much more to say about Elias right now? It's very apparent to me that they're not going to, like, see him... Um, you know, up, up more than upper middle card at the at the very least for the time being. Yeah, it's hard to put my finger on that one. Uh, I mean, I'm happy. I'm extremely happy for him. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like he's he's kind of he's kind of in that category with um, like Braun Strowman and there's, there's a few others. I could put that like you just, they just they just didn't want to hop on the train. And I mean, when I say they, I mean the the the, the WWE powers to be. It's kind of like you know, Braun just looked like you know. It just had all, all the momentum. The fans got behind him. It looked like he was just destined to be the guy to, you know, to to to, to beat Brock Lesnar when Brock had the, the the lengthy run that he had, and it never happened. And then Elias, Elias, you know, uh, segments with the Undertaker, segments with John Cena. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, segments with the I, I think the Rocky. I mean, he you know he he got to do he got to be put in all the the, the big spots, um, and he had charisma and and and, and you know he was. He was he, he, He'd be playing different venues when they go to city. I mean, like he he really in a different way than Braun. He had he had another kind of lightning in a bottle kind of feel to him that something magical was happening. And it was and this is before him even getting injured. They just it, it felt like there was no follow up. So, um, you know, on the one hand, I'm intrigued that he's getting uh he's getting a multi year extension uh new new deal and that that sure. that maybe they can try to recircle you know circle back and try to capture it again if possible. But then on the other hand, I wonder. Kind of like I just talked about a few months ago with WB and AEW and, and, and negotiational ploys. Is this was just was this just okay? We don't have you know we're we're not going to do anything more than what you've seen of him. We just don't want him to go do this act in AEW to, to be able to pull it off better than what we have. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what what to, well, that I, time will tell. He's he's such a good utility player, right? I mean, he can play guitar. You know, he's a good talker. You could kind of slot him in anywhere. You know, you would you know you would think that maybe with those skills you could put him up higher on the card. I, I also don't really know why it's clicked. I mean, it, it probably has something to do with the push-pull booking of him. Sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes he's a bad guy. I think he's a good guy right now. Since he's been back from injury, he's just doing funny songs largely in the back right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would I, if I had to if I had to pick a side of the fence to put him on, I'd put him as a, as a baby face. But even us, Justin, we're sitting here like what is Elias? You know, <laughs> like what <laughs> Great question. This this is a guy, mind you, before he was Elias, when he was here in Pittsburgh with us, he was uh, the rock and roll, rock and roll Jesus was 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 his nickname of of, of when he was Logan Shulo because he, he so I, it's he's he's always he's always got that musical tone somewhere. He's just gone he's gone from rock and roll char- charisma to to the to the philosophical drifter. I guess so. Hey, look, if you're gonna pick pick a direction and go hard, he's a great baby. He does people like the songs. Put him out there. Like you said, there were so many great segments he did, and I I think that fans want to like. I I really do. I think fans want to like Elias. He's got so much better on guitar. It's like obvious the guy works and wants to to gain your respect. I, I think that the babyface Elias run can work right now. I, I agree. So. Uh, and uh, as we mentioned, Mercedes uh, Martinez uh, just announced as part of the latest WWE Performance Center class. Uh, let's uh, go through the list here of who was announced yesterday as uh, having joined the Performance Center. Of course, uh, Mercedes Martina, uh, Martinez, which we just said. We also have uh, Emily and Zulis of NBC and the Rocks Titan Games. Uh, we have former NFL player Anthony Francis. I know that guy. He was on my fantasy team a couple seasons ago. Uh, indie wrestler Jake Atlas. Uh, he's, you know, like we said, from the indies, but he also appeared on Stephanie McMahon's Undercover Boss episode, which I'm sure no. you've seen. 
right? Do you know Do you know who else was on? You know, do you know who else was on that Undercover Boss episode, but it never made it to air? It never, it never made the final cut. Was it you? It was Wardlow. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Was he like Was he like worth shoving boxes around in a Toys R Us like shipping area and being like, I would also like to be a wrestler? No, it was. I mean, I guess I guess what's done is done. I can. It, 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 I guess I could talk about it. Yeah. it. He. It was. Um. He. I'm trying to remember. He. he you know. He wasn't. Uh, no. He wasn't like at his. Day, he wasn't at like a day job. He was uh, getting interviewed at like a gym, and by what he thought was like somebody who like you know, like a potential scout essentially. But it was Stephanie McMahon in disguise. Yeah. Well. And, and then. Yeah. Right. You okay, know. And, and then. But. But. Anyways. And they did it obviously with. You know. But he. But they. They filmed the whole thing with him, and he went down to the the performance center. And if you actually go back and watch that episode, you can actually catch little glimpses of him. And when they get down to the performance center, because he's down there, but they just never. His story never made it there. They ended up going with, with this guy. With Jake Atlas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that about Wardlow. Well, well, fun fact for you. Have you? So you've watched the episode. Right. The one with him. Well, I mean, I know what was shot with him. Like I said, and, and you know, I was managing him at the time. I, but like I said, they never, but, what, they never ended up airing what what they had done together of him. So did yeah. You, did you watch the Steph episode though? Did you the watch one that the, did make there? Yeah, the one that they put on yes. TV. You watched the episode. Yes. Can yep, you yep. now? Do you really think the Big Show didn't know that was Stephanie McMahon, Justin? <laughs> well, I don't know about the Big Show, but I don't know. Sorry. I mean, I remember Wardlow telling me he, he. I remember him telling me like it. You know, he kind of thought like he recognized like a, like there was something that he that, that seemed familiar. He just couldn't put his you know. But he he said legitimately that he you know he wasn't uh, huh. you know he wasn't trying to just sell for them. He, he legitimately was surprised. He had no idea. Hmm. Go back and watch that episode, everybody. There's just like something about Big Show's reaction. He's like, oh, it's Steph, and everybody has to applaud. It was funny. I love that episode. Um, yeah, it's hard to ma- it's hard to imagine somebody that's known Stephanie for like twenty years, like Big Show is. It's hard to imagine them being fooled. I totally can see Wardlow being fooled because it's not like he's used to being around her. But like, be yeah, a Big Show. Eh, uh, I don't know. Um, it's a good episode. That that and the the one the Cubs the Cubs owner the red the Ricketts kid who's just a complete uh-huh. complete mess. That's a good one to seek out too from Undercover Boss. It's just such a great look at the current ownership of the Chicago Cubs, dummies. All right, um, former Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> Look, they got it right one season, and it's just been a mess. Okay, <laughs> you got one season, and it's a mess. Um, well, did we have an episode of the show where you were ripping the fans, the the the, the, the Cubs fans? <laughs> look, I am. I look. I uh, I the, the, the summertime. The Cubs fans in the the summer can be their the own. Frat kind, boys. The frat boys down in, in Wrigleyville can be their own kind of thing. I used to live there. I'm just older now. That's all I'm saying, Justin. Different. Get in the cab! That's what I fell asleep to every night. That's what it sounded like outside my door. All right. Um, former, uh, The last two names here that we didn't even get to. Two more people. We just got sidetracked on an undercover boss conversation about Jake Atlas. Uh, the other two names, a former Cirque du Soleil performer, uh, Iking Sidney Bateman, and former college basketball player, uh, Zachariah Smith. Um, so yeah, other than Jake, Jake is a great performer and he's been doing some wonderful work on the Indies here, uh, the past few years, uh, Anthony Francis, I know from the NFL, but they'll probably change his name because nobody knows these people's names from the NFL. We, you've made this point to me before. Well, yeah, they're not, unless you're, unless you're like, a, that's not higher, not higher enough profile names to, to say, okay, there's value to keep their name in the ring. We might as well just change it to something that we can own. Keep his name and, and build up his history in the NFL. You don't need to change these guys' names. 
no, no. Like if, if Rob Gronkowski came to WWE, yeah, you keep him Rob Gronkowski because he's Rob freaking Gronkowski. You don't change his name to 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 Bud Sterling. Uh, but yeah, I'm just making that up. But 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 no. When I'm sorry. When which McCall? Brendan, whatever they turn to Dio. Brendan Williams. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, you created a WWE name that that you can you cre- you created a WWE name for him. Dio Madden used to be Brendan Williams, but you wouldn't know that he had that successful career as an NFL player because he changed his name. So, I... well, I mean, not knocking the guy, he got to play in the NFL, which is something very few people get to do, and right. and he made money, right. props to him. Right. But I mean, but let's 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 let, let's ease up on the level of successful NFL player. Let's, I mean, let you know, it's still credibility, right? I don't know. Anyway, and maybe Gronk... well, you, they could still have they could still have credibility to have a different name. We all know, uh, you know, the, I mean, you know, Vader. They would not constantly reference how Vader, you know, was a former football player and JBL and this that we don't have to necessarily have them use their names they used in football as you know Baron Corbin they've mentioned Baron Corbin has played football JBL JBL used his real name right he's John Layfield okay bad example but Vader (laughs) or or Baron or or how about this one Bray Wyatt Bray Wyatt was a big football player uh through college and 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 I think he might have had a look with with pros and and obviously he's not Bray Wyatt difference between college football and the NFL there's a huge difference but oh they played some college football no not that look you have to be very talented to play college football I'm not knocking that but there's a big difference between being in the NFL and playing college football all right well Farouk played but he was Farouk for how many years before they finally just did Ron Simmons? But he was Ron Simmons before they made him Farouk, and they were like, "This man is a legitimate badass." Well, Vader wasn't Vader on the on the no, he whatever wasn't. How he played? No, well, I think Gronk. And by the way, it's Gronk Gronkowski, not Grankowski. You're from the East Coast. I don't even know how you said it like that. I don't know. Maybe it's a- I, I didn't say it. Did I, did I really? You said Grank. Go listen to it back. Go listen to the tape. You said Grankowski repeatedly. Um, uh, that's, that's my own. I know it's Gronk. That's my own. I could see. I could see. Cr- I could see Gronk coming in and being like, "I want to be the Nacho Man," and everyone's like, "What?" And he's like, "No, that's <laughs> me now." And they're like, "Well, we want to call you Gronkowski," and he's like, "Nope, Nacho Man. That's me." <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, if 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 Mojo could have convinced Gronk to to sign a, a, a deal with me, that could have been that, that could have been the best thing for Mojo's career. Could you imagine a, a Mojo and, and Gronkowski tag team? If if Mojo was his old Mojo gimmick. I love Mojo Rally, just a broken man right now, just like losing his mind in WWE. Uh, it's it's very good. It's one of the more compelling storylines, I think, honestly, on Raw. I still like the old Mojo. <laughs> uh, we were talking about the Performance Center. Uh, we have a note here about uh, NXT talent Velveteen Dream. The Observer reporting that his back injury was pretty serious, but there's no word yet on he's gonna, when he's going to be back. Uh, it was first it was first reported back in October that Dream was dealing with back problems after WWE did a backstage angle that pulled Dream from his planned title match with NXT North American champion Roderick Strong. So Dream's been out for a little while. I mean, there's also been reports that he could be back in time for the Rumble. So I don't know if this is just a bunch of smoke to disguise him coming back much sooner than we think. But regardless, you know, there you go. There's your update on Velveteen Dream. Anything? Uh, kind of what you said. Uh, there's a lot of c- conflicting reports. Kind of that's, that's where I go. I don't. I don't know if anybody truly knows. Uh, uh, I think we'll see him back on the road to Mania at some point. Uh, we also have an update here on Kyrie Sane. Of course, she was on Raw this past Monday night. Uh, she appeared on Raw uh, during the Rumble contract signing uh, with her partner Asuka and uh, Becky Lynch. She did not get physical during the segment, but she did poke Lynch with her umbrella as Lynch bullied her out of the ring. Uh, it looks like Sane was brought in just for Raw, and she was not at Sunday's WWE Live event in. King Corbin, Kentucky, 
as Asuka defeated uh, Charlotte Flair and Natalia. There's no word yet on de- on the details of Saint's injury and when she'll return to action or when the Kabuki Warriors will defend the tag titles. But th- but again, there you go. She was brought out there. They're they're showing. They're they're keeping her visible. It's very it's surprising we don't know more about what exactly she's dealing with at the moment. Yeah, it's very mysterious. Going very. all the way back to weeks ago, right after she the other night after she'd had the injury, the pay per view when she or somebody dressed as, as her came out for four seconds, just peeked around the entranceway when Oscar came out, but the umbrella was constantly blocking their face, and then turned around and walked back. I mean, it's just yeah, it's very mysterious. Like. You know, the match didn't get stopped at the pay-per-view when everybody thought it should at TLC. And she suffered some kind of injury. And then now it's like just complete radio silence. And then a random sighting where, where yeah, she, she uses her umbrella to poke Becky and then leaves. I mean, I, I don't know. This is a very odd situation. Very weird. Very weird. I'm going to try to do some digging around here. I want to figure out what's going on with Kari Sane. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that WWE's return to Saudi Arabia has been pushed back a week. To Thursday, February 27th, uh, the event was originally scheduled to take place on Thursday, February 20th. Uh, we touched on this yesterday when we were reporting it was the 20th, but now it'll be a week later on the 27th. Uh, Justin, how do you feel about WWE doing two events uh, as big as WrestleMania, if not bigger, within a one-month period of each other? I, I hate it, and that was my first thought when I saw that this week going back in 2020. I figured it would be after Mania, like in late April or May, as they've done in the past. Um, you know, it it, it, it bothers me. <clears throat> it, it's bothered me in the past when they've done it after Mania, because I'm still like, you know, all right, we just had Mania. Now you're going to give us this other big stadium show. But at least it was after Mania. You know what I mean? So at least it was like, okay, we got Mania, and this is just kind of like this random helping of leftovers. And it's, you know, it's again, it's all gimmicky for the for the international, for, for the for the prince or whatever. Um I, I I hate it being a month before Mania. I really feel that like, you know, like once Rumble happens, that that's the kickoff of, the, of Road to Mania. The Mania signs and the is in yeah. the rafters. Everybody points to the sign. You build, 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 build to Mania. That's the big thing you built to. But now we're gonna have to have this detour right in the middle of of whatever big shenanigans they try to you know what whatever Undertaker match they try to put together for the like like I I I, I absolutely hate it. I I. I well, I don't take, know. take I this in, take this into consideration as well. We are on the road, uh, the road, the road uh, to the Rumble, and uh, the Rumble will be uh, the, on the twenty eighth, I believe, and then we'll have this on uh, February twenty seventh. It sounds like then you have the Elimination Chamber on March eighth, if this calendar is correct, and then a month later you'll have WrestleMania uh, in April. So a lot of things going on. The only upside I could see to this is maybe in Saudi Arabia, Vince does more of the like freak show matches that haven't always been as well received in uh, on WrestleMania stuff like the Aki Bono match with Big Show. I maybe maybe more of the the Carney stuff over in Saudi Arabia where they've been doing more of that and uh, keeping WrestleMania uh, a little more refined. I guess is is a silver lining I could possibly see in this. Uh, yeah, sure. I guess I, I don't know. I just <laughs> sure. Man. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I, whatever. I mean, and, and, and again, I'm not one of the people that like. I don't. I don't go on like tangents about how they shouldn't be doing business with. So I mean, I don't even get into that. I mean, I just accept that the show is what it is. They're going to do the show in Saudi Arabia. You know, you you can be on as as unhappy as you want. Just don't watch. So I don't really get into the whole like tangent of that. But I'm in a tangent from just from the from the from the the booking and promotion standpoint. I just hate 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 having a show of this size and again all the shenanigans they roll out just being a month before mania i just i feel like the road to mania is like a sacred time don't screw with it 
Um, we have an update here on uh, WWE and some trademarks. They filed for the trademarks for the following names on Thursday, January 9th. Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, The Usos, Caden Carter, Leo Rush, AOP, Mojo Rawley, Bobby Lashley. Uh, the trademark descriptions uh, at the United States Postal or the United States Patent and Trademark Office uh, read for the entertainment services, namely wrestling exhibitions, blah, 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 for pretty much anything involving pro wrestling and merchandise involving pro wrestling. Uh, regardless, uh, regarding the Lesnar trademark, which is interesting that WWE would just be straight up applying for that trademark, um, WWE originally had filed for the name back in 2003, but it was canceled in 2010. They tried to file for the name again in 2016, but abandoned it a few months later. They also filed for the Heyman trademark in 2013, but abandoned it a few months later in 2014. Uh, WWE also filed for Raleigh and Lashley trademarks over the past few years. So uh, it sounds like, uh, I don't know, you know, business is business. The, the Brock Lesnar thing here, the kind of <laughs> looks like maybe battle for the, the rights to trademark the Brock Lesnar name and WWE continuing to come up short, but, but trying anyway. Is it, do, am I reading that wrong? I, I, I'm i reading it too. I'm, I I kind of am with you. I think that's how this, I think that's what I'm interpreting. That is. <laughs> so Brock keeps coming back and being like, no. I challenge this. I want to continue to own the rights to my name. I'm not going to sign off on that. That's at least how I read it, you know? Brock's, Brock's like, Vince, you and I fist fight in the parking lot. Winner can have the name. Goddamn right. I've been waiting for this my whole life. Um, all right. Lastly here. Um, so WrestleMania weekend just got a whole lot more interesting. So the AEW crew uh, notoriously stays away uh, from the Mania weekend stuff. They did that last year. But uh, one member of AEW will be there, and a former WWE superstar, John Moxley, is going to face Josh Barnett at GCW's Bloodsport 3 on April 2nd. And uh, uh, WrestleMania is on the 4th, right? Or the 5th this year? So is this the Thursday or Friday? I believe it's the 5th. I think it's the 5th as well. Here, I'll pull up my calendar real quick, and we can make sure we get the timeline on this right. It is on April 5th. You're right. So this would be on the Thursday before WrestleMania. John Moxley's going to be in town, and he's going to get... So for those who aren't familiar with Bloodsport, it's a, a knockout or tap-out format, uh, very MMA, Pancras-styled um, uh, wrestling. Uh, Josh Barnett... The ring, the ring has no ropes, right? They take the ropes off the ring, and it is just like an open mat, like kind of what you'd see at a sumo wrestling event or like a judo contest, and these guys just brawl and wrestle. And a lot of it, um, just from what I've been, uh, you know, I was at the Bloodsport. I think it was at Josh's first one, the second one they did in the middle of last year, later in last year, down in Memphis, I think. But uh, it, a lot of these guys, they call it out there. You know, Davey Boy Smith is a part of this. Simon Gotch is a part of this. Uh, Jonathan Gresham does this. Uh, so a lot of the more technical-based grapplers, it's really fun to watch. I, I think you guys will love it if you can get a ticket. Uh, for the collective to come watch this one, I would highly recommend it. But what do you think about Moxie dropping in here just a couple days before WrestleMania and doing such a big thing, Justin? Uh, that's huge. Uh, that's huge. Because again, like I said, AEW is going to kind of stay away. But this, so you know, um, to me, because AEW is obviously the clear, you know, in, in the past before AEW, you know, it was like, you know, Ring, you know, Ring of Honor would do something. You know, Joey Janela has this thing. You know, obviously last year we saw the Ring of Honor in Japan at the Garden. You know, but like. But the counter onto this year, I was like, all right, well, if AEW is not going to do anything, and AEW is the is the is the biggest competitor right now to WWE, I kind of felt like, all right, this this will be a a less competitive Mania weekend for WWE. But this certainly tips that scale a little bit when AEW's top star and who's you know who obviously left WWE very unhappy just a year prior is going to be having a match. Um, 
earlier that weekend. So, yeah, so this is a big deal. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And before we uh, throw to the interview here with Jake Roberts, uh, I did want to note that this match between uh, Moxley and Barnett was actually supposed to happen at Bloodsport 2, which was, uh, again, I think it was it was ugh, maybe Memphis. It was in the South, I remember. Um, but uh, they were supposed to go down uh, in the middle of last year, late last year, but Moxley had to, die, uh, had to bow out due to uh, the MRSA infection in his elbow uh, that took him out of action there. It was pretty scary for a moment. He still, weir- he still wears uh, a Band-Aid on his elbow to, to cover where that infection was. Um, so, you know, it, look, this was supposed to have happened not WrestleMania season, but because of, you know, sliding situations, now we're getting it a couple days before WrestleMania. It makes the match just a lot cooler to me, uh, kind of considering the whole landscape of, of where Moxley is with WWE and AEW, you know? Given Moxley's gimmick, and uh, I would think it'd be kind of an appropriate spot if if uh, uh, Barnett goes and starts to pull that bandaid off the elbow. Seems very apropos of, a, of an event called Bloodsport, right? My guest at this time is a WWE Hall of Famer. He's recently been seen as part of All Elite Wrestling, and he's going to be hitting the road again in 2020 with his unspoken word tour. It is Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Oh, no problem at all. My pleasure, man. Now, we are talking with literally just a few hours left in 2019. And, uh, I mean, looking back before we get to everything else, how, how has the past 10 years for you been when you look back on this past decade? Oh, man. It's been great. It's been hard, but it's been great. Um, you know, nine years ago, I started getting sober. And uh, to accomplish that was a miracle. And uh, took a lot of hard work. Took a lot of um, took a lot of love out from Diamond Dallas Page to put it out there, man, to give me that opportunity to stick with me, even when I fail time after time, you know. And um, he did stick with me, and I finally accomplished our goal. And um, to live the past uh, eight years, alcohol and drug free, man, it's been just so so wonderful. I'm so excited about 2020. Um, you know, in AA, they tell you that if you, um, if you accomplish it, that, uh, the gifts will start to happen. And I've been gifted so many times, man, in uh, the past 10 years, everything you can think of from hair implants to false teeth to, uh, implanted teeth to, uh, you know, getting to do the movie, um, with uh, Shia LaBeouf and uh, the folks for Peanut Butter Falcon, which is a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah. And to be a part of that. And, um, you know, the things just keep coming, man, to get into the Hall of Fame, you know. I mean, there's so many things that happened that's so sweet and so good to me. You know, getting my relationships back with my children to, um, I don't know, man. I, I keep waiting to wake up and be back the other way you know i i just can't it's a living a dream man because it's just been that good yeah yeah and that's the thing is when i sat here and i i looked at kind of the bookends for your 10 years you had to think about where you were 10 years ago as compared to yeah, now where, where you're like you said I you're nearly dead nearly dead 10 years ago yeah man and you brought up the peanut butter falcon which is an incredible movie yeah. and and to see you in such a positive in such a positive light you know you really did yeah. go from the shadows yeah. into the light here over the past 10 years and uh yeah, yeah, man. it's so cool to but hear that's you. just to let people know it can happen you know for them too you know and it can you know and I, 
I constantly, you know, tell people, man, just give it a chance. Hold on one more day. Hold on one more day, man. Because every day matters. You know, if you're a drunk, every day matters. Yeah. Um, well, right now, going into 2020, how are you feeling? Are you feeling, like, well, physically and mentally? Well, I just got through working out. Um, I feel pretty good. I, I've got some issues with my hands. Um, seems that being hit in the head too much is not good for you. I have a constriction thing. <laughs> Funny constrictor. Constriction thing going on in my hands, man. That is very painful and um, kind of curls my hands up and makes it hard to move them. So I've got to have surgery done on that. And yeah. uh, they'll go in and clip the tendons on uh, each one of my fingers and um, lengthen them out. And uh, hopefully that'll take care of that. I don't know what the um, well, the length of recovery time is going to be, but I'm not really worried about it. Uh, you don't use your hands too much when you're just talking. So I guess I'll be all right. You know, <laughs> I've got, I'm going to Australia for three weeks of the comedy tour and uh, going to blow it out over there. Really pumped about doing that because uh, – the good people that are bringing me over there said, look, we don't want to overwork you. So how about two days a week and the other five, you just do uh, whatever you choose to do. And we'll pay, we'll pick up the tab. I'm like, well, gee, okay. I guess getting old ain't so bad after all, they take care of you. Yeah. So uh, really, really going to have a good time. I'm going to take my oldest daughter over there with me. And, uh, you know, we get a chance to spend some father's daughter time. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, she has an amazing story to tell and she needs to get it out there because, uh, you know, um, eight or nine years ago, she well, well, 10 years ago, she was uh, misdiagnosed to have MS. And um, oh after years of treatment for MS, which had her on death's door, um, she basically had to retire from her job, which uh, she was working on for the U.S. government and the troops. She was an addictionologist and psychiatrist for the troops that are coming back home uh, in Kansas at Leavenworth. And um, she had to retire from the job, so she was basically going home to get ready to die because she was getting weaker and weaker, and it just, you know, it was horrible. And the move made her get another doctor. And the new doctor took one look at her and within two hours he told her he says you don't even have MS you know and uh, wow <laughs> so for the last year and a half two years they've been trying to nurse her back to health and she's just now gotten to where she can uh, you know hang in there pretty good you know for a full day yeah I know I first started uh, using her to go on the road with me just a little bit because we just want to spend some time together and uh but now she can go out there and hang with the best in fact she's doing my bookings and stuff for me now and uh, travels with me all the time and uh you know just to let you know man sometimes doctors can be wrong too as smart as they are you know it was an honest mistake though i mean the thing that uh, she does have mimics the same um same um oh sorry brain fart um symptoms it, yeah symptoms as ms and um so you know what do you what do you do so she's just happy to be alive and getting stronger so i'm overjoyed with that and uh, we may write a book uh together i've almost finished with my first book uh, it's about 700 pages so far and uh, 
you know, it's quite lengthy, but it's uh, very intense and very to the point, very um, deep uh, into the wrestling world and my career. And um, really looking forward to that coming out this new year. And then uh, her and I would like to do a book talking about addiction, you know, from both ends of the you know the, the spectrum, you know, the, the daughter that uh, cares and the drug addict, alcoholic father. And because um, there's a lot to learn about that, you know, that people need to know that. And um, a lot of people don't even understand addiction, man, how it really works and uh, the games it plays and how horrible it is. They just uh, say, well, he's an addict and that's it, you know, and write him off. Well, there are things you can do to help. And um, we've got to start taking care of these people that are addicts, man. And, uh, Try to get them out of it. Try to give them a, a, a fresh and safe start back. You know, what happens, um, if you don't mind me telling you what my viewpoint of it is, you know, you go into a damn rehab, man, and you're there for, you know, two months or three months and maybe even four months. And, uh, you know, everything's fine while you're in those walls. And um, then they let you out and you're in the real world again. And uh, unfortunately, your bills have been mounting up for four months. So right out the bat, you got people coming at you wanting money, wanting what you owe, your car payments, your house payments, your ex-wife wants you, you know, those payments too. And uh, the stress of all that pulls you right back into the addiction because the addiction is all about getting away from stuff and hiding from stuff and uh, stress and pain and anger. And uh, if you haven't done a real good job at addressing all those things, you're going to fall right back into the old way of uh, living. Yeah. And it's a damn shame, man, that uh, a lot of people spend a lot of money on addiction uh, <clears throat> problems. And uh, coming out of it is really hard, man, because yeah. you've got to change so much about you and your life. Yeah. And uh, we just want to bring that stuff out to the front so people can look at it and realize what it's going to take to get somebody clean and sober. It's not a... Uh, three month wish bill that you know, okay he did his 90 days now he's well no it's not like that man it's something he's going to be dealing with the rest of his life so yeah. there we go just um, a thought <laughs> yeah no no thank you um you know one of those things i wanted to ask you about was how is how is doing these shows the unspoken word tour how has that helped you uh you know over the past couple of years has it been helpful to be around the fans and hear what they enjoyed from your career and getting to, to talk to them answer their questions oh it, it's so awesome, man. Hearing, I tell you what I like the best is I, I hear stories from people saying, yeah, me and my granddad used to every Saturday morning, we'd sit down. That was our time together. Me and dad did this and that. And we'd go to the show. And I love hearing all those old stories, man, because that let me know. That lets me know that all those years that I was out there beating myself half to death, it meant something. It meant something to a lot of people, man. And I'm forever ingrained in their life, you know, and uh, that's pretty damn cool, man, because, you know, there are a lot of days, man, when you're out on that road and you're whipped and you're beat up and you don't feel like you can the day you're ready to give it up. You don't. And now you find out that, man, it did matter. And I love hearing those stories, man, about me wrestling so-and-so. What's really funny is they'll, from time to time, somebody will come up and tell me, yeah, you wrestled this guy that. And I'm like, wait a minute, I never wrestled that guy. <laughs> and that later, yes, I did. You know, and they'd help me out. And 
Yeah, they remind me of moments in my career that I've forgotten, you know, and uh, as you get older, you, your brain starts to wander, especially if you've been banged up as much as I have. And, uh, you know, in, in the beginning, it was tough for me to, to speak in sentences and stuff because I just, you know, when you're drunk and a junkie, man, you just sit around by yourself and you're quiet. You don't use that stuff. Well, if you don't use it, you lose it. And uh, it was hard for me to even talk. And uh, now that I'm out on the road doing this stuff, man, the gift to Gab has came back. And, uh, you know, the memory is what it is, but I have enough people around me to remind me of moments. And once they remind me, sometimes it clicks in. And I do remember that era, that era of of what I was doing. So um, it's fabulous, man. I love being around with fans anyway. Because uh, after all, without the fans, there is no wrestling. Well, you know, and um, yeah, I am so grateful to the fans that never gave up on me, even after I'd given up on myself. They still believed. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the moments I wanted to ask you about, um, obviously, Royal Rumble's around the corner. And when I was a kid, I never forgot the spot where you brought the snake out at the Rumble 89 and had Andre the Giant eliminate himself from the match. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't know if you wanted to talk, if you could talk to me a little bit about that and like. How scared of snakes was Andre genuinely? Was he really frightened? Not at all. Oh, okay. Not at all. Okay. In fact, one night um, a snake got him and uh, broke two fangs off of his shoulder. Now, I was the one that was scared to go into the locker room. I figured Andre was going to kill me. What? And um, I walk into the locker room and kind of peek around the corner. I'm like, Andre, are you okay? He's like, no, why? And I'm like, well, the snake bit you. Oh, yeah, the snake was hungry <laughs> and just laughed about it. And about that time, Rick Rude walks over to Andre, who's playing cards by now, and goes, hey, Andre, look at this. And he pulls out one thing, then he pulls out another thing that is about five inches long and bedded in Andre's shoulder. And Andre just laughed. What? And I'm like, Rick, don't do that. You know, please don't, you know, piss him off. And he just laughed about it, man. He thought it was funnier now. I'm scared to death to go in there, man. <laughs> But uh, no, he was a great performer, and what an honor it was for me to even be in the ring with him. him. You know, uh, on my comedy tour, I kind of turned it around, and where I blamed the fans for hating me and saying that they were trying to get me killed by cheering me on against Andre. You know, because come on, reality is you're not going to beat that damn giant. Now, what the hell, you fans? Why are you so mad at me that you want me to get in the ring and Andre let Andre hurt me? So, but. it was an experience, the one that I'll never forget, and uh, you know, a great moment in my career. How did how did Andre get? So were you in a match with him earlier in the night, and then you let Damien out, and he bit him in the ring, or how did the snake bite Andre? Yeah, he bit him in the ring. Oh, he bit him in the ring. Okay. Yeah, bit him in the ring. Then after after we came back to the back, you know, I got to go back into the locker room, and you know, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's just a thing you do when you come back from the ring. You thank your opponent for basically for keeping you safe and not hurting you out there, you know, and uh, and for the match. You know, I just had to go check on him because that's what's expected. But I didn't know if I was going to walk into a haymaker or what because, you know, some guys would have got pissed off about the snake biting them, you know. Yes! No. Yeah. It didn't bother him, though. He just thought it was funny. <laughs> 
And I thought it was funny too, because he said I could. <laughs> that's so. That's so. I've never ever heard that Audrey story, and I've heard a lot of Audrey stories. That's oh, yeah. incredible. Oh yeah, tons, man. Um. Well, also one of the moments I wanted to look back on from this past decade. Uh, it was in your your documentary with with uh, Dallas, but it was when you came back at mm-hmm. WWE's old school in 2014. Yeah. Uh, now that it's yeah. been a couple of years removed from that, you found your groove. You know, looking back on that night, what did it mean to you? Do you feel like that was your biggest moment of the decade in pro wrestling? Uh, no, nah, because you got to consider, you know, getting into the Hall of Fame was my biggest moment of the decade, no doubt. But, sure. Um, it, it meant a lot to me, man, to go back and uh, be invited back because, um, you know, drunks and alcoholics, we have a way of uh, endearing ourselves to people by things we say when we're drunk and high and stuff. And I'd done plenty of that, and I'm sure they hadn't forgotten all of it, but they still they were big enough to overlook that and uh, invite me into the Hall of Fame and then turn around and do the old school thing, which was a great moment for me. And, um, you know, the fans' reception was unbelievable. And then uh, and I, I didn't expect um, CM Punk to do what he did. Yeah. Um, once I got into the ring, he went over and sat on a rope as if to say, Hey man, this is your moment. Enjoy it. Do it, man. You know, and I really didn't expect that out of him because I didn't know what type of guy it was, but you know, that was special, you know, even, uh, even if he did cause Ambrose to laugh because he, he told Ambrose a snake shit on you and, uh, Ambrose started laughing, you know, which was not, something you would do normally when I put the snake on you and start laughing. Yeah. It was funny. That is funny. Well, you bring up Ambrose there. Uh, of course, he's now John Moxley over in AEW, and that was another mm-hmm. big moment for you in the past decade. You showed up in vignettes for mm-hmm. AEW. How, how did your involvement with yeah. All Elite come about? Um, you know, I hang out with DDP a lot, and um, they just thought... Uh, it was a good thing, you know, and they were trying to get different faces to stick on their, uh, in their show. And it um, doesn't hurt to bring up somebody that means something. And, uh, evidently I still make people look, stand up and notice. And, uh, now people are expecting me to do something else. Well, guess what folks, I ain't moving till they call me. So I guess they need to call me. I would love to do something else. I would love to help, um, AEW with their product. I know that I can. Um, there was always the problem in the past that, um, you know, I, I took things too personal. And um, because to me, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And uh, you should do it the right way and uh, without a doubt. But now the right way has become so watered down that, um, you know, it's hard to keep it in the middle of the road these days. And I've, I've had to recognize that I've had to not sell out to what I believe, but, uh, certainly not be as, uh, hard nosed about it or as uh, vocal about it because that used to get me in a lot of trouble when I would tell people, you know, shut the F up. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you know, yeah. uh, especially television people. Vince used to tell me, Jake, your perception is that uh, 
you think we're, these TV people are complete friggin' idiots. Uh, yeah, and what's your point, Vince? You know, and that's just the way I felt. I mean, how can these people tell me how to wrestle? I won't tell them how to do their TV job. But yet they had an opinion, and uh, we were supposed to shrink down and just listen to them. You know, well, I have a hard time doing that, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, and when it comes to AEW, you know, you were you. It's it was interesting earlier in the conversation here. You talk about how you were finding your voice again after not really talking for mm-hmm. a long time. You you are, I think, in a lot of people's opinion, one of if not the best promo guys in the entire oh, business, yeah. Jake. And I, yeah. I was just wondering what you thought about the promo work that's coming out of AEW right now. There's been a lot of buzz around Cody and Jericho uh, and MJF, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's better than what we've been getting. And um, I'm, I'm excited a little bit about it. You know, um, there's just a few things that I can't stand, you know. And uh, the biggest one is the invisible wall that seems to be in front of people and uh, these these talk fest they do sometimes on television, you know, you know, if you're really thinking all that and feeling all that about this, a guy that's in the ring with you, you, I guess you guys are stuck between an invisible wall and you can't get to the guy, but you know, I guess that's the business now, you know, back in my day, you'd never put two guys in the ring with a two microphones. You know, it just wasn't happening. Yeah. uh, You know, if it was a real world in a fight, you know, you know, take time to sit and talk about this BS or you gonna whip his ass, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that's kind of the way, you know, I've had to change my way of thinking that I'm creating this entertainment thing now. So we got to entertain them with some gaga and some BS and some cute little words or whatever. But I was always pretty straightforward when I said on the interview, but I would like to help these guys with their interviews. And I know that I can. Yeah. You know, I can teach them. And um, for whatever reason, it's not happening. You know, whether some people don't think it's worth doing or some people don't think I can do it, whatever. I've pretty much done everything that I've tried to do. You know, and um, I can say that now because I've gotten sober. You know, but uh, everything else I always did in the ring. You know, and uh, my ring work was, was damn good. And, um, not many people can touch it. So what's to say I can't teach somebody? I taught a lot of people on my way through that business. And, uh, you know, whether it was Steve Austin or whether it was Diamond Dallas Page or whether it was uh, the Road Warriors, um, people forget that I taught all these people, man. And uh, taught them well, evidently. And uh, then to get kudos from uh, Undertaker on this thing with uh, Steve Austin, that was a nice little bump. It was. You know, and uh, it's true. I did help with Undertaker, and I did help Steve Austin. And Austin will tell you that, too. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, that's what the business was supposed to be like. You do help your opponents. You do help the people that you're around. But today, and while I was in the WWF, there were a lot of people who wouldn't help anybody. There were a lot of people that would, in fact, they would go out of their way to screw you over or screw you up on what you were doing, thinking they'll get the opportunity once you fail. And to me, I would fire that jerk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We should all pull together. That's my thing. You should do anything and everything to make the product better. 
That means helping a guy out that can't tie his boots, then go over and help him tie his friggin' boots and teach him how. You know, that's just what you did. That's the way I was raised, and uh, that's what I believe. And it really pisses me off when I see guys taking shortcuts in the ring, and I tell them about it, you know. So eh, that's just me, though, whatever. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting, Jake, because, you know, you talk about how you could bring that to AEW. I think about, you know, NXT and developmental as well, because Dusty Rhodes was the promo coach teacher down there, and I believe other people yep. have worn well, that yeah. hat. I, yeah, and I could see you in that as well. I mean, how did WWE react to seeing yeah. you in AEW? Did they care? Did you hear from them? or? or... I, I never heard from them, uh, you know, but, um, you know, sometimes you piss them off and you don't hear hear about it you know but good god then why wouldn't i do it they asked me to mm-hmm. you know if you want to keep me from doing that do have me something to do yeah. you know i would love to go down and talk to those kids man yeah but um maybe they'll hear this interview and call me huh <laughs> i was about to say you know when it gets into print and it goes out to the public sphere it's interesting how your phone can start to light up sometimes so yeah i hope so man i hope so there's a lot of things i'd like to do yet man uh you know, movie work, I'm enjoying doing it. And, um, you know, uh, there's a movie in China that I'm supposed to do, but with all the BS that's going on over there right now, and with Trump taking a poop on it too, they've kind of held that up. So that hurt because I was looking at doing three months of work over there with a feature film. So we'll see. We'll see, but I would love for Vincent to call me. I'd love for anybody to call me back. Uh, I want more choices. I want more opportunities. Uh, I'm getting older. I'm 64, and I'm really hungry to do stuff right now. So uh, whether it's uh, signing autographs or just going to shake, you know, I don't give a damn what it is, man. Just give me something to do. I hate sitting on my ass and sitting around the corner. That's when I get myself in trouble. (laughs) Well, and I'm happy to hear you're heading to Australia, and I'm really happy to hear that you're talking anyway. about. I'm hearing. I'm happy to hear you talk about your shows as comedy shows because I talked to you a couple of years ago when you. Just, oh yeah, it's a blast, man. Yeah, because when I when I first started talking to you a couple of years ago uh, about these shows, I remember you talking about how you didn't really know if they were going to be funny or not. You know. Yeah, well, they're hilarious, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how easy it is for me. Good. You know, I guess a lot of comedians, they go out there with a, a list of things you're going to talk about. I don't. I just go out there and just say, how y'all doing? And we go from there. Because back in my day, man, you didn't go to the ring with a, a set plan. Uh, you went out there and you felt the audience and you tried to feel what they needed to have a good time. And you gave them that. And that's what I do with these comedy shows, man. I go out and feed it out a little bit and see what direction they're leaning towards and what I need to do to get them there. And, um, you know, and go from there, you know. And uh, lots of times um, I don't tell any of the same things on two shows in a row. You know, I just go a different direction, have fun with that. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, after all, I mean, I wrestled for 36 years and. You get two or three stories a year, you get a lot of material, you know? So I don't lack in material. I could probably do these damn comedy shows for the next 15, 20 years and never tell the same joke twice. But, um, because, you know, there were a lot of great characters in my day and there's a lot of stories to tell. And uh, I'll probably start putting them out there on on different uh, things, whether it be Amazon or I don't know what. 
We'll see. Yeah. Well, I, I hear we'll about see. I hear about your show, and I think about how Mick Foley turned his stand up show into like a WWE Network special. So you know, I, I think yeah, you well, transition well. Mine won't be. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, too uh, exaggerated. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last thing I want to well, ask Foley, you. Well, Foley's on, Foley, Foley rose a different boat than I do. Let's, let's get real. Come on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, That's all good for him, man. Okay. Well, he's, the, he's the Santa Claus guy. He's he's Mr. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Different. Yeah. There you go. Different. Mary Sifflis, happy gonorrhea, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's all good, man. Do what do what you like, man. I have nothing against Foley. All right. Last thing I want to bring up, and I don't know if you have an opinion about this or even know about this. I, I just kind of wanted to throw it out there because it's something I've been thinking about. Uh, yeah. There's a character in WWE right now, Eric Rowan, um, who's doing this, like, what's in the cage angle? Have you seen this where he has, like, a burlap bag? No. Oh. There's a guy. They're doing something that kind of reminded me of you and your snake, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because yeah. a lot of people have drawn huh. comparisons right now. So maybe something to check out for you. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll force myself to watch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe in 2020. Here we go. Anyway. Yeah, I'll try, bro. Yeah, Eric I'm Rowan. Not scared. Eric Rowan. What's in the Eric cage? Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan. What's in the cage? Watch. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We'll do it. Text me. Let me know. I'll your give thoughts. you my word. I'll do that. Please do. <laughs> Take care of yourself, brother. Thank you, Jake. Is there any, but as before you run off, anything you want to plug, put over here before we wrap up today? No, bro. Just, uh, let's everybody have a wonderful year and try this, man. Let's try helping people out this year. Do one each day and see if the world gets better. I'm not going to talk about my match right now because pretty much everyone around the world knows everything they need to know about my match. So I'm going to open this right up to questions. Uh, what is your next move uh, post Tessa Blanchard if you retain the title? or When I retain the title. When, I, when you retain the title. Uh, continue to be one of the assets in Impact Wrestling and be one of the people that reached in the dead corpse of Impact Wrestling two years ago, pump its heart full of blood and be the guy that's going to put this company back on the mountain. Impact Wrestling needs me more than I need Impact Wrestling. And me being the champion is what everybody needs it right now. How was it to allow uh, a camera crew follow you to kind of get a glimpse of who you are outside of wrestling? People I'm used to it at this point. I'm 100% used to it. My entire life's under a microscope. It doesn't matter what you say on social media. It doesn't matter what you do in the world. I could go to the grocery store and be condemned for looking at someone the wrong way. So with my life being under a microscope like that, it's pretty much the normal thing to do at this point. I felt like the video gave us more of an inside of who you are on a day-to-day. Yeah, because people don't know me. They don't care to know me. They care to listen to what people say online. They care to set their own imaginations up and put their own spin on my life. They don't know my real life. They don't know what I've been through. They don't know what I've done, and they don't know what I've done for other people in this business. So obviously the talk of the town is the Tessa match. Uh, You have been very vocal about bringing intergender wrestling to the forefront, saying it's not even intergender wrestling. 100%. Talk about why that was such a goal for you. It's a goal because it's 2020. We should have equality. Like, I don't care what sex you are. I don't care what sexual preference you are. At this point in 2020 in professional wrestling and the world, in any aspect of life, you can be whatever you want to be. And... It shouldn't be intergender wrestling. We should just be considering women, uh, men, or whatever someone identifies as as just professional wrestling. 
And I truly wholeheartedly believe that. You look at my company, The Wrestling Revolver. I don't just book normal female division matches. I book females against men because I believe that's where they belong. I believe anyone can wrestle anyone at any point in time and tell an amazing story and absolutely kill it for the sake of killing it. Uh, Sammy Nick Hausman, Wrestling Inc. There's been a. I've heard a lot of stories about your influence backstage. Uh, do you consider yourself somebody in the office, and just what kind of what kind of influences do you have beyond? I don't. Your- I don't see myself in the office at all. Okay. I see my myself as one of the hardest working dudes in this roster, and a guy that, uh, like it or not, I feel like I'm a locker room leader at this point in Impact Wrestling or anywhere else I go in wrestling, because I I don't just look out for myself. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not a guy that politics for myself. I politic for other people. Right. Yeah. Because people, when people work hard, they deserve to be rewarded for it, and that's how I've spent my entire life thinking. And there's nothing anyone can tell me differently. Uh, what other matches on this card do you have a uh, vested interest in? The whole card's awesome. Like, look at Madman Fulton versus Ken Shamrock, who's an absolute legend at this point. Fulton is a guy that somewhere else was looked down upon. Hell, in the in the video game, he was the lowest-ranked person. And now, over the past two years, he's absolutely changed the entire conception of what Madman Fulton is. He's a guy that the sky's the limit. Dudes, shoot six foot eight, 300 pounds. Uh, people don't even realize he's an all-American in amateur wrestling from college, and he's a freak athlete. He's one of the strongest dudes I've ever been in the ring with, and he's a guy that's hungry, and in the next year, he's going to be one of the top wrestlers on the entire planet. I truly believe that. Brandon Morales from TheChairShot.com. Um, in past interviews, you've talked about uh, other wrestlers not failing at other companies, but those companies failing them. And in that same tone with Impact, how do you feel like Impact has provided an environment for you and other wrestlers to succeed? They took the handcuffs off. They give us the opportunity to go out there and actually paint the picture we want to paint that night. Uh, If we have ideas about our character, if we have ideas about whatever the show might be, we can actually truly have someone that we go to and actually talk to and get our visions processed. It's not like other companies when you get the runaround. You go to one person, oh, well, we gotta talk to this person. Oh, oh, we gotta talk to this person. Oh, you gotta talk to this person. And you've said the same story to eight people at this point, you've got nowhere. Impact Wrestling is the only company where our bosses are backstage at every show and they'll actually listen to us. They don't tell us what our character is. They don't tell us what we need to do. They give us the opportunity to be the people that we want to be, and that's why Impact Wrestling's striving right now. So, Melissa Fawcett's high, firstly. Awesome. Secondarily, uh, you balance between Revolver, Impact, and you carry that burden pretty equally. How do you keep everything kind of intact for yourself personally? I don't. I'm a madman. My brain's a scatterbrain. You talk to Mike Johnson, I've talked to him on many occasions for the last 15 years of my life. I'm not a guy that just sits around and does nothing. My brain is a complete mess. My life sometimes is a complete mess, but I like it that way because it makes me creative. It makes me always never wanting to be complacent and getting to that next level. I'm a very goal-oriented person. I set one goal, I accomplish that goal, I go to the next goal. Being world champion for Impact Wrestling isn't good enough. I'm still wanting more. I want to become the longest reigning Impact champion of all time. I want to be the person that makes Impact Wrestling absolutely great again. I want to be the guy that in 20 years from now, you look back at Impact Wrestling, you look at professional wrestling, and I made my mark as being an absolute legend. If you lose the test tomorrow, where do you go from there? I don't lose the test tomorrow. Uh, Ty was out here earlier saying that if Tessa won the title, she'd like to be the new number one contender. Uh, She has a gripe for it. A lot of people have a gripe for it. Tessa lost to Taya 
ushering in the era of Ty as a women's champion, now becoming the longest reigning champion in Impact Wrestling history. So absolutely, if we're going to open up the floodgates of intergender wrestling, I think Ty absolutely has a claim to go after Tessa, as do a lot of other people. But that's not going to happen, so we don't have to worry about it. Right, well, I'm going to flip the hourglass then to continue my question. Uh, what other women on the roster? The entire know? roster. I wrestled Ty at Lucha Underground. Absolutely killed it. One of the best matches they had in season three. Uh, I'd wrestle Havoc. She's the one of the not just biggest women, the biggest people on the roster. Absolute badass. Jordan Grace is bench pressing and squatting more than half the roster at this point. Uh, you, you, you look at the entire female roster, and Impact Wrestling truly has one of the best women's roster on the entire planet right now. Uh, you, we, I talked earlier about you know how I saw you as locker room leader, and I've heard the stories about how you've helped other people in their career. What do wrestlers do that grab you and make you want to become an advocate? Try. It's hard to say. Try. Not be complacent. Not just be entitled and want everything right for that. Things take time. Like being a good professional wrestler takes time, and you need people to stand up for you so you can get to that next level. I'm not a person that likes shooting people down. I'm not a person that likes stabbing people in the back. I'm not a person that likes to hold others down to save my spot. If someone's better than me, come take my spot. But right now, I'm on the top of the mountain, and I'm the guy that says, who's the top dog, and I'm the top dog. Uh, is there anything you want to say to the Impact Wrestling Faithful before this match? Yeah, you, you, you wanted to hate on me after the Eddie Edward incident, even though it single-handedly changed Impact Wrestling, got people talking about it again. Then I went on to have Match of the Year, not only Impact Wrestling, but possibly Match of the Year with the entire wrestling community with Pentagon Jr. And now this year, it just keeps getting better. People always want to talk shit. People always want to hold me down. But at the end of the day, my, mouth, my, my name's always in people's mouths. I'm always being talked about. I reinvent myself every couple of years. And that's the reason why my career continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and get better. Uh, I saw your new Cactus Special Boots uh, on uh, online. Uh, Mick Foley responded to that. What's it, like, what's, what's it like to get uh, the eye of a guy like Absolute Mick? legend, absolute guy I, I look up to in this business, not just as a hardcore wrestler. He's one of the best professional wrestlers of all time. He had great runs in every company he ever did, and he made you truly believe him and Terry Funk are two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But Mick Foley, that's why I use the, the pulling pile driver as my finish. He yep. gave me that move. He physically gave me that move, and I wanted his legacy to live on. That's why I call it the Cactus Special. That's why I had these boots made. I want to give back to the guys that made me want to be a professional wrestler, and I think this is just a token of appreciation towards Mick Foley. Do you see yourself cut in the same cloth as Mick? Do you see yourself as maybe a, a modern-day version or an updated version of what he was doing? Mick was crazy. I'm, I'm pretty crazy, too, <laughs> but I see my myself as a modern-day cut of a lot of different people mixed together. I'm a potpourri of wrestling. I'm a little bit of Mick Foley, a little bit of Terry Funk, a little bit of Fit Finley, a little bit of every person that made me want to be a professional wrestler. I, I, I take a little bit from everyone that I idolize because that's how you become who you are. Not anyone can say in the world of professional wrestling they didn't use someone else as like an influencer or, 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 a, or, a, or an exoskeleton of what they want to be. Like, And I'm no different. You mentioned Finlay. Uh, the matches you had with him in the documentary about... Made me who I am today. Yeah, they came for the stiff. That kind of was a big turning point for you. Now that you've gained so much more experience and you're sort of in the position that he was in, how hard is it for you to look out there and find someone that you want to single out and help pull up? I see him all the time. If you look at my wrestling revolver shows, I book people from all avenues. People that can be considered comedy, deathmatch, hardcore, um, lucha libre, 
catches catch scan, strong style. I, I see something that makes someone special and I gravitate to them and want to help them out, especially if they work hard. I will go leaps and bounds above helping someone that actually works hard and does it the right way than someone that's just good and has a terrible attitude because it be, wrestling wasn't easy for me. I had to bust my ass. And I had to have people like actually help me get to where I am. So I want to do that for other people. Uh, Ace Austin gave you a bit of a shout out earlier as someone who really molded him. Dude lives in my spare room. Do you have any interest in um, maybe bringing him into OB in the future? No, he's not originally from Ohio. That's a big criteria. I think you have to actually <laughs> be from Ohio. He's from Pennsylvania. I mean, he moved there. He became part of the Ohio little cult that people like to say, but no, nah, he's not from Ohio. He can't be in. What does 2020 Sammy say to 2005 Sammy? Dude, you're a fucking badass. Look at this, like you were a guy, you, you've seen your parents die, you've seen your friends die, you've busted your ass, you've been damn near homeless living on couches eating green beans. Like it's all worth it because at the end of the day, your hard work will, will go above and beyond what you expected your career will take you and you did it the right way. You never stabbed anyone in the back. You never just talked shit for the sake of talking shit. You did it your way and you did it the correct way and you were successful because of it. Goldsmith after wrestling? I'll probably still work in wrestling. I have a, a minor film degree. I'm, if you talk to anyone that knows anything about me, I'm a very creative person. I am a content creator. I have, I have a camera person. I am a graphics person. Uh, I will work somewhere in wrestling probably the rest of my life. Or I'll go sell BMWs and make millions of dollars because I'm pretty sure I can sell ice to an Eskimo on this one. So you are a two-time Match of the Year winner, two-time Moment of the Year winner. Uh, how do you top that in 2020? Do it again. You just keep that going. You keep that that string of just great matches, that string of great moments going, and you continue to reinvent yourself. You're not complacent in just winning one award. I want a lot of awards. I, I don't want just one award. I want all the awards. I want to be front of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I want to be in video games. I want action figures. I want to be looked at years upon years upon years from now as a guy that truly revolutionized wrestling in the 2019s, 2020s. What does Sammy Callahan say to Solomon Crow? Quit being a bitch, dude. Quit and do you because you is good at the end of the day and it doesn't matter what anyone says. You don't need to walk on eggshells. You don't need to try to be someone that you're not. You need to be yourself because you either succeed being yourself or you fail being someone else. Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. And uh, sincerely, thank you uh, to Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, by the way, um, I uh, had been calling it um, the Unspoken Word Tour, and he didn't correct me, and neither did his agent. Uh, but I checked the website. I think that his tour in 2020 is going to be called the Dirty Deeds Tour um, or Dirty Details Tour. So um, there has been a little bit of an update on that. You could go to uh, DDT. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can go over to jakethesnakeroberts.com. Find more information about that. He, Like you mentioned in the interview, he's going to Australia, but Jake is looking to tour constantly. And if you're a local promoter and you're looking to do something cool in your comedy space or you know local venue, go over there, book him, hit up his agent. Uh, you're welcome to D DM me. I will put you in touch with them. Uh, Jake's great to work with. Um, and uh, also, thank you to Sammy Callahan and Impact Wrestling. Uh, again, it was so great being in Dallas this past weekend. Uh, the tag team duo of Sean Gravin and Ross Foreman uh, is Impact's PR team right now. 
home run. Uh, really enjoyed the, the access and the hospitality, and I hope you enjoyed all of our coverage. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be back with another episode of The Winkly, the last one of the week. Before we move to five days a week in a different form on another RSS feed, which we will totally have more information about here by Monday, if not on Monday before Raw is what I'm aiming for. Um, but we will be back here tomorrow. Justin will be doing the news of the day with me. And uh, very fun interviews here to close out the week. Uh, I got to sit down and chat with none other than Dan Housen. Are you familiar with Dan Housen, Justin? That name's familiar. Who is he? Dan Housen, he's the he's kind of looks like an old timey silent movie vampire type with the black and white. He just premier he just debuted for Ring of Honor. He walks around with a jar of teeth that he shakes around. Familiar with the Dan Housen? Like I said, he sounds familiar, but I don't think I've seen him on ROH yet. Now, well, now, I'm, gonna have to, now I'm gonna have to Google. Now you're gonna have to Google, and if you don't know Dan, if you know Danhausen, you're 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 punching in the air right now, because Justin, you got to be a Danhausen fan or a fanhausen of Danhausen, as he would say. So, um, very interesting fellow. Um, he's going to be presenting uh, as part of the collective, which will also feature Bloodsport Three. Him and Warhorse will be doing WrestleMania, um, which is a very exciting topic to talk about tomorrow, because there will be a Loser gets sacrificed to Satan match and all these other weird things. Um, oh, yeah, I've, 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 seen, I've seen them. Now, now, now that I just pulled them. <laughs> there I've you seen. go. Danhausen. We're all going to become fanhausens of Danhausen here. Because I get a lot of big names. You get Hall of Famers like Jake Roberts, but I like to bring you guys those first interviews of these big names you're going to know about, you're going to be talking about in the years to come, I promise you. Um, and, of course, after, uh, after Danhausen's interview tomorrow, we're going to be playing the Impact Hard to Kill uh, pre, uh, the pre-show, so the day before Media Scrum, featuring Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, the North. Uh, very interesting chat. Had the chance to listen to that one back this morning uh, to take some notes on. And uh, really just bangers of uh, bits of content here to close out the week tomorrow. So come on back. Uh, if you like the show, go over to Wrestling Inc. Audio on iTunes. Five-star ratings, nice comments, always appreciated. Uh, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? I just realized Danhausen's coming here to Pittsburgh for one of us, for Sam Adonis the next show, and I, I can't. I was asked to work the show, and I already had a prior commitment. I, I'm now. I'm now. I'm really mad. I'm looking at this guy. Um, yeah, that's your Lawshausen. Yeah, it's at the end of February. I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll plug it later. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Justin Labar, and I'll talk to all of you tonight after AEW and NXT. Myself, Glenn, and Matt Morgan. I love that the show is going off the air, having made a Fanhausen of Danhausen. That's wonderful. You're really trying to hammer home. Did you do you have that trademark? Speaking of Patton's Fanhausen of Danhausen. I just, well, first of all, I really like Danhausen. Part of our interview is just talking about weird oddities and our favorite oddity shops, but also he puts Hausen on the ever, end of everything. It's H A U S. I'm Hausman, H A U S. It's not a very common spelling, but he's popularized it in pro wrestling again. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful to him for that. I'm very excited to see the house out there I'm letting loose. I, I'm Nick Hausen, fan of Danhausen. I'm Jurgen from Kurgan and the. I was so bummed that he was at Warrior Wrestling 7, the last show, but they had him on the pre-show dark match to kind of go out there and get the crowd all revved up. And they didn't have me in bikini on commentary. And I had so many comments to make because of our name similarities. So I got I got to do another show. Got to get it back. And call it. Yeah, you got you got to get that. I I have a video of 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 Sheamus and Cesaro going. He doesn't just set the bar. He is Labar. I mean, you got to get your 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 fan has and Dan has him. Okay, well, on new adventures, another thing on the list. Uh, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 